If you have a teenager at home who's always on their screens, playing video games or just texting with their friends and, and you feel like they're not motivated to do anything else with their lives, you better listen to this episode, so stick around after the intro. You're listening to the Apparently Parent Podcast, where we combine the art of parenting with the science of psychology. I'm Iran Katz, and for over 10 years as a clinical psychologist, I've been helping people from age 6 to 86 live a happier, more flexible life. In the process, I have learned about the things parents do to make or break a childhood, and what turns children into happy, confident human beings. This podcast is for you, the 21st century parent who believes that better parenting can make a better world. So if that's you, and you're ready to elevate your parenting journey, let's go! I'm your host, Eran Katz. All right, my friend, welcome back to the Apparently Parent Podcast. Welcome to episode number 66, like the famous road in the US. And today I'm having a wonderful guest whose work and life's journey and life's goal is to help teenagers realize their full potentials and motivations and find their way during these tremulous years of adolescence. And in these conversations, you will learn a little bit more about how you can approach your own children. And if you have teenagers or you're about to have teenagers, you're going to see that there's a gap between what you want them to be and where they are. And most likely you want to learn how to close the gap and get closer to them and help them get closer to you. So this is what this whole conversation is about. And without further ado, let's roll that tape. Hello, everybody. My guest today has worked with thousands of teenagers, helping them gain more confidence, self-esteem, and motivation. He wrote the number one best-selling books, God, Attitude, and Cut the BS, A Non-Nonsense Guide to Happiness. I really loved this title. And he was featured on major media outlets such as Fox and ABC and NBC, where he shared his teen success method. And now he's here with us on this show. Let's give a warm welcome to Mr. Cody Butler. Hello, Cody. Hey, Aaron, how's it going? Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for, for coming. And let's uh, just uh, start with maybe tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. And we're going to talk today about your work with teenagers and you helping teenagers, in my words, maybe make the best out of their lives. Um, so I really wonder how did you come up and come to, to do this work? Yeah, it's a good question. Thank you for asking. So it was back in uh, oh, 2007, 2008, somewhere around there probably where I was working as a, as a full-time musician and part of, part of a musician's income is, is teaching. And I was, I was a guitar player. You can see some guitars in the room around here. And uh, to, to, to make ends meet, I had to teach. And, and typically people that are attracted to guitar lessons tend to be teenagers. So I was working with, with, with lots of teenagers and uh, you got to keep the kids coming back. If you don't keep them coming back, you don't get paid. <laughs> <laughs> so I was having to find ways to motivate them and stuff like that. And I, you know, I was, I was into personal development and self-help and, and really sort of the uh, unlimited achievement mentality and stuff like that. And I start, started to work with the teenagers on, on the problems that they were having, you know, as we were having guitar lessons, obviously, you know, we'd be practicing scales, we'd have conversations and stuff like that. 
and, and really seeing some great results and parents were coming to me all the time saying, Hey, I don't know what you're doing with my kid, but it's really working. So, so keep doing it, whatever it is that, that you're doing. So of course I knew what it was that I was doing. And, and that kind of sort of became, uh, you know, where, where I started to work with teenagers really was, was just kind of by, by accident through the guitar lessons. Wow. So it reminds me of when I learned to play the guitar, I was like, not, I was a little bit older than a teenager, like more in my 20s, early 20s. But my teacher was kind of in, back then um, a little bit more than just, you know, someone who, who taught me how to play the guitar. We had, you know, conversations and about, about life and about music. And I think the things that was special about him, this guy was he looked at me not just as a young teenager who doesn't know anything about his life, and like he, he with with his viewpoint towards me kind of elevated me to think better of myself so just pop into this thought just popped into my mind as you talked about it and yeah, i wonder exactly what right. what you what kind of maybe <laughs> what kind of struggles did you notice with those teenagers that you taught except of you know the hardships of trying to play the guitar <laughs> Yeah, it's like the, the problem was, and this is the same for everybody, adults, teenagers, everybody, is we're asked to do things without really understanding why we're doing them, right? So it's like we're asked to learn math. Well, what, you know, as, you know I, I thought for the longest time, what's the, point of, what's the point of this? Or we're asked to learn geography or history. Well, what's the point of this? We're, we're asked to learn these skills and go through these motions. And, and the problem is there's no outcome. There's no, mm -hmm. there's no demonstrable outcome to it. So it's a case of like you, you've, it's helping people understand what is the outcome of what they're doing, which makes the task when the outcome is bigger than the task then the task becomes very easy. Right. So for me, it's like, I always wanted, I always wanted to play guitar. There was a re reasons I wanted to play guitar and the, and the outcomes were bigger than the monotony that was required to get there, you know, hours and hours of practice and stuff like that. So it's like, I was able to sit there and it was never a challenge for me to do these things because I knew why I was doing it and I knew what I was working towards and, whenever things got a little bit tough for me, I just looked at the bigger picture. So I think that the, the biggest challenge that we all face really as adults and children and teenagers and everything else is that we don't have a clearly defined vision of what, what it is that we're working towards and why it is that we want what it is that we're working towards. And if we don't have that, then the, the steps that we have to get to take, uh, we have to take to get there, they just become too difficult. They just become too monotonous and they just become pointless at some point. And we just give it up to like, well, why, why am I even doing this? What, what's the point? Yeah, I totally agree. It really resonates with the work I do with parents so in, in my method, which is, I call it the parenting map. This is why I have this map behind me in, <laughs> in the Zoom um, screen. Um, one, one of the, I think one of the most important parts is uh, defining your own purpose as a parent and, you know, really know what you're working towards. And, you know, in my case, it's about um, making the bond between you and, and your child stronger, helping your child become uh, happier, more confident also as an adult. And, and I think that when you, you do know where you want to go, uh, it really helps you, you know, stay in the trenches and keep doing the the work that sometimes it's it's hard work uh, instead of just you know getting yourself all over the place so maybe maybe you, you can 
um, maybe you can share a bit how you see it in your everyday work with teenagers, teenagers, because now you're not teaching guitar anymore, right? You're doing other things with teens. Yeah, yeah. And how, how does it play in with the work you're doing? Yeah, so, so it, it's about like working with teenagers now, it's, it's really about helping them create a vision for, for their life and then giving them the tools, the steps and, and the necessary uh, steps that they need to take to achieve that. So very, again, as, even as adults, very rarely have we actually thought through what it is that we want. And we may have thought it through in one area of our lives. So we may have thought, oh, well, like, you know, I want this career or I want this outcome. But generally speaking, it's like if, if, I, if I, I mean, you're a parent, if I, if I ask parents, what's your goal for your relationship with your children? They're, they're, it's very vague and it's very undefined. And when, you know, I'll talk, when, I, when I talk to teenagers, the first thing I say is like, look, you know, I want you to think about me like I'm the genie in the lamp, right? I'm the genie in the bottle. You just, when you, you, you know, you rub the bottle and the genie comes out and says, I'm, I'm your master, you have three wishes. It's like, this is not about, you know, fixing you because you're not broken. This is about helping you really figure out what it is that you want out of life and then giving you, tangible, measurable steps that you can take to achieve that. And a lot of times we, we don't give our kids enough credit. Pa- parents generally don't give their teenagers enough credit. And I'll, you know, I'll ask, ask questions like, well, what, what's your goal for your relationship with your mother and father? What's your, your, what's your goal for your relationship with your, with your parents? And after just a very little bit of coaching, it's like the teenagers can, can form very articulate goals with very specific outcomes. And it becomes very easy to, to help them achieve those goals. So when, you know, like a lot of times a teenager will, you know, when, when you coach them and you coax them and say, well, what's your goal? What would you like to see happen with your parents? And they say, well, you know, I'd like a better relationship. And then it's like, well, what, what are one or two simple steps that we can take today that's going to help you do that? And if you ask, ask questions like, well, what, what's your relationship for your health or what's your, your goal for your health? What's your goals? And, you know, what's your desired outcome with your social group, with your friends? What's your desired outcome with your extracurricular activities. And quite often, you know, nine times out of 10, these things haven't even been considered. They haven't even been thought about. It's like, yeah, I imagine that most of the times teens and will will say something like, I don't know, or I just want my parents to, to, you know, to get off my back. I just want my, um, the other people in my class to like me. I just want to have that girl or that boy or, uh, that's it. I, I, I just want to stay home and play video games. Or I know it's a little bit caric- like a caricature of a teenager, but I guess that sometimes, you know, teenagers don't have this vision boards of themselves. It's not they, something they that they can articulate, maybe. Exactly. They, they can articulate it. They just need encouragement and help to get mm. that out. They just, you know, it's like it's not that they can't, it's that they, they just haven't. And, and it's something that hasn't even been thought about. Yeah. You know, we really focus on, on, you know, sort of seven areas of life, you know, fit, you know, health, fitness, spirituality, relationship with friends, family, uh, career goals, financial goals, stuff like that. And, and th- these are things that just haven't even been considered. And the, re- the reason, you know, they say, oh, I just want to play video games. Like all the time parents go, my kid's not motivated. My kid's not motivated. It's like, it's not true. It's like they're, they're plenty motivated. It's like you can't get them off video games. You can't get yeah. them off the, the devices. They're plenty motivated. They're just not motivated to do the things that you want them to do. And the reason for that is it's very simple. It's like, you know, if you, if you want to get a kid off a video game, here's the thing you got to do. You got to, you got to understand what level of satisfaction that video game is, is providing. So if that video game is producing nine out of 10 entertainment satisfaction, 
and you're asking that kid to go do something that's six out of 10 or seven out of 10, of course, you're going to get feedback. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, you're going to get resistance. Of course you are. Yeah. So, mowing the lawn isn't as fun as playing a video game. Exactly right. So it's like the, you know, the thing is like, you've got to understand, well, what, what's my child getting out of this and how can I replace it? And it's the same with adults. I mean, we're exactly the same. You know, we're going to behave just like children. If we're doing something that we really like and then we're forced to do something we don't like and we can see no sense in it, it's pointless, mm -hmm. then, then we're going to have that little tantrum as well. We're no, we're no different. So it's really understanding, like, you know, what's your kid getting out of this and how can we help them find something that's going to be more productive, more entertaining, more satisfying for them? Yeah. And and the the work that you're doing, um, and maybe a little in in a short while you can explain a little bit more about how that works, but is it focused on a teenager or the parents also have a part of the work? How how does it work? Yeah, well, I mean we're working specifically with the teenagers predominantly. But obviously, the parents are a massive, a massive factor in the in, in the issue. You, you can't go to your kid and say you're the problem in the home. It's like, well, you go back to the parents and it's like, that didn't happen in isolation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. And the number of times where it's like, you know, one of the big problems I see is parents have such low expectations of their children. They have such negative opinions of their children. I mean, I, you know, I work with kids all the time where the parent goes, my kid's just not going to participate. I, you know, my kid's not going to be into this. My kid's not going to want to do this. And it's like, we start and the kid's so into it. The kid so wants to do it. The kid's so like... Because they, they know they're not happy. They know they're not fulfilled. It's the, you know, the teenager knows that there's more to life. They just don't know how to access it. So the, the best way to deal with that is just to, to, to you know, do, do what we do as adults, just blot it out with distraction. So it could be video games, could be social media, could be you know, a, whole, a whole array of negative activity that we don't really want to see our kids doing. But you know, all they're doing is that they're just literally just self-medicating themselves with video games because they, they have nothing else. You know, they, they, they're not happy with that. And it's like once they start to see, it's like, hey, look, you know, there's a whole world out there that, that's available to you that, that's better than this. You know, it's better than what you're doing now. It's like they're so into it. They so want to do it. But quite often the parents, they just don't, they just don't apply that positive expectation to the, to the child. And, you know, it's like, well, how, how do you expect your kid to get better when you've got, or, you know, not get better, but how do you expect your kid to change their situation when you have such negative expectations of them? You know, you're almost expecting your kid to fail. Yeah. So when, like, when when the parent do not provide the necessary um, boost of energy or wind for the sales of that teenager, they they can't really expect that kid to like propel him or himself forward. But I wonder about like kind of maybe kind of the mirror image of that. I'm not sure that's exactly right, but what about parents who really, um, who do think that their teenagers, their kids can do better and they have these high expectations of them. And I can tell you a little bit about like my own memories from that time, 20 something years ago. So I remember my parents a lot of times talking with me about what I want to do when I grow up, what I want to do in life, never really pressuring me into a specific like spot, but it was a conversation. But, you know, to be honest, I'm not really sure that I had any idea of like what I really, what kind of career I do. I, I had fantasies. So I, back then as a teenager, I dreamt of being a, a filmmaker and I have, a, I had a very robust fantasy of winning an Oscar. But it stayed on that level only. 
and and I, I and I don't remember those conversations like what do you want to do with your life and you shouldn't you know, like I chose to uh, in Israel when you go to high school uh, you kind of need to choose like topics that uh, learning subjects that you want to focus on and you learn more off so I wanted to focus on on cinema and I really remember those conversations of yeah yeah cinema is nice but you have to focus on something practical like math or physics because then you'll want to go to university and all that and it was a clash of motivation maybe and I don't remember those conversations as pleasant for me as a teenager so I I, I just wonder how um how can you We approach um, those moments better. So I have children who are not yet in those uh, not yet teenagers, but in a couple of years, they will be. So what kind of an advice maybe you could share with me yeah. as a parent on that issue? Yeah, sure. It's, it's, it's a great question. So, I mean, two, two things really is the first thing is it's why, you know, I mentioned earlier on, like we look at like seven areas of life, you know, academics being one of those, uh, you know, dreams, aspirations. So you got your dream bucket, but then you've got your practical buckets as well, right? So mm-hmm. that's where, yes, like being a filmmaker, that, that's, that's great, but that's like saying, hey, look, you know, just because you want to be a bodybuilder doesn't mean you can neglect your diet, right? You can't just go to the gym all day, every day. So it's like, you've got to, you've got to look at every aspect of life and, and it's just having that, that balanced approach really say, okay, well, look, I'm, you know, I fully support, I fully support your vision to be a filmmaker. And, and, you know, the first thing we'd look at there would be like, okay, well, what, what are some practical steps to get you there? So a lot of times you have that big, you know, you know, I say you, you can have me or do anything you choose in life, anything that you want. If you want to be a filmmaker, you can be a filmmaker, but it's not enough just to have the vision. It's not enough just to have that, just holding that vision will not get you there. It's like, okay, well, what, What, what's something that you can do today Aaron that's going that's going to help that what's something you can do tomorrow what's what's the plan we can put in place next week so that that's the first part of the missing pieces of the puzzle there which you know brings people out of being a dreamer into practical reality but it does have to start with the parent acknowledging that dream as something that's viable the parents go yeah exactly right it's like you know as soon as soon as the parents start saying hey that's not viable it's like you put in limitations that, that aren't really there so it's It's a case of like I would definitely encourage that, but I would also give steps to do that, but at the same time, it's like, okay, well we you know we can't get unbalanced here we can't you can't just spend one hundred percent of your time mm-hmm. on being a filmmaker. It's like there's other aspects of your life as well, like you know that's why we've got to look at the goals for what you know your social life for your for your spiritual life, for your academic life uh maybe. It's, you're going to be 35 years old before you break as a filmmaker so what are you going to do to support yourself in the yeah. meantime that's a possibility as well so it's like it's it's having that conversation and saying okay uh, look a lot of times the academics like without the academics you're never going to be a filmmaker because you never you know it's like you, you've got you've got to support yourself in the meantime right very few you know I, I doubt see Steven Spielberg made his first blockbuster at the age of 18 right out of school he probably had some you Some income generating activities before that that allowed him to, to to fund what he was doing right so it's like you know if, if you neglect that aspect they, the, all these things work together H- having a job and, a, and, and an income and an education and academic qualifications that all works together because you're going to have to fund your life before becoming a filmmaker so in a sense you like structuring um, 
different areas of life, but they all work synergistically together, supporting whatever motivation the kid is having. Exactly, exactly right. It's like, I mean, it's like I said, you can't just, you can't just focus on one area and exclude all of the others. You're going to get a lot of imbalance there. So how, how do you, how do the teens that you work with uh, get to you in the first place? It, does it come from their parents? Like they, they notice something like for me, I, I'm a therapist and sometimes parents call me because they are worried about their teens Rarely it's the teenager who says, hey, mom, dad, I want to see a shrink, you know, but <laughs> I wonder how, how, how does it happen, you know, with you? How, uh, how do you, how yeah, do you so, get so, Yeah, yeah, good question. So obviously like, you know, teenagers are minors. We don't, we don't advertise to minors. We don't, we don't sell to children, stuff like that. The, the parents are the client. You know, we don't, we don't show marketing messages to, mm-hmm. to minors in any way, shape or form. So all, all of our, all of our marketing is targeted towards parents and it's the parents that come to us uh, for a variety of reasons, right? So some are quite serious, some are not so serious, you know, from, from say, you know, it could be stuff like we've tried everything and we're a complete loss. We've, we've been to therapy, we've been to summer camps, we've been through these programs, we've changed schools and we have no idea what to do next. You know, that, that, that's a small percentage of people. And then there are other people that just go, Hey, look, you know, you know, we just acknowledge that we don't know what we don't know and we'd like to make sure that our child has the best opportunity so hey you know would you be willing to work would you be willing to work with our son or daughter for for a period of time to to really help them explore what it is that that they want you know so that that that's sort of the the scale and and usually it's somewhere in between so typically you know a, a very common scenario is uh you know spending too much time on video games spending too much time on social media withdrawn from the family not really communicating, uh, you know, not really participating in the family environment. And, and the, the, the parents just want to see the kid spending more time with the family and less time with the distractions. That, that's, a very common, that's a very common situation that we see. And I'd say that's probably the most common situation. But, yeah, the parents come to, the parents come to us saying, hey, you know, can you help with this situation 100% of the time? And I guess that when, you know, when you start working with the teenager, you hear a different kind of scenario or complaint. Like the parents say this and that, and the child says, but I, I'm worried about other things. Like I, I like playing video games, but I don't want to spend time with my family because they don't understand me. Or uh, I, I don't care about that, but I do care about how rejected I am at school, for example. So do you, do you have these types of clashes of, um, maybe needs or or wants between the parents and the kids, and you have to navigate between those. Yeah. So, so the thing to understand that you know the first thing that we try to you know make both parties understand really the distance from here to here is the same as the distance from here to here, right? The di- so this is the parent and this is the kid. The distance mm-hmm. is the same. From the distance is the same. So when when a teenager is going, my parents just don't get me. The question is, well, is it possible that you don't get your parents as well? <laughs> is it possible okay, that nice you don't get your parents? Yeah. So yes, I acknowledge, I agree that you don't get your parents don't get you. But is it possible that you don't get your parents? You know, can we can we start the conversation there? Because the distance between you and your parents is the same as the distance from your parents and you. So the frustration is the same, right? It's not like you know 
you're this far away from from what they want and they're this far away from what you want that's not true the distance is exactly the same and that that's really important just in human interaction it's like when there's conflict the distance between the two parties is identical always so when 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 somebody disagrees with me it's like i'm as far away from their viewpoint as they are from mine it's not you know it, it, and it's a very good place to understand so it's to start the understanding from is just say hey is it possible that you don't get your parents and then the next question is like, yeah, but my parents are a pain. Well, is it, poss- is it possible, do you think? Is there a chance that you're a pain to your parents? Mm-hmm. Yeah, is it, is it possible that you're causing them the same issues that they're causing you? Is that, mm-hmm. is that a possibility? And it's like once you get them to acknowledge that, which is really quite easy to do, then it's like, okay, so we both have a role in this. Both parties have a role in this. They, you know, Yes, your parents have got some stuff they need to do, but do you have some stuff that you need to do to make this better or, you know, and, and nine, nine times out of 10, not always, it's like, you know, you can get the teenager to go, yeah, okay, I can see where I have a role in the reconciliation. I can see where I have a role in this. And, and that's a great place to start. So once you're there, then, then the conversation becomes quite easy. Same, same with school when, when, you know, if somebody's feeling rejected or excluded, it's like, well, hey, is it possible that you're rejecting somebody or is it possible that you're excluding somebody? You know, it, it, is it, sorry, go on. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I understand what you want to say. And I, I j- was just wondering, so once you get the child to acknowledge that they have a role in the situation, it's not that the parents are like these old timers who don't understand me. Yeah, they maybe they don't, but I don't, I have the, my role as well. What now? What, how do you help the child make some moves? Because make some moves towards towards the parents, because when you say that you know the distance between the parent and the child is the same i guess you want to make them you know help them get closer to each other by approaching some kind of a middle ground so yeah, how how yeah. do you help the child do some steps towards towards the parents or towards school or whatever that that point is yeah so that that's a great question so yeah so the next stage is one, once the once the awareness is there now now the now there's problem awareness right there's there's problem awareness hopefully in, in both parties it's like mm-hmm. we, we we've got to start help we've got to start providing the steps necessary or or help provide the steps necessary it's like because the 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 knowledge and the skills for reconciliation are not there on either side generally mm-hmm. speaking so we've got to start, you know, helping uncover what those steps are. So a lot of times, like the first session or the second session could be something as simple as like, you know, the, the, the child will say, Hey, look, you know, I want a better relation. I do want a better relationship with my parents. I just, you know, I just don't know how to make that happen. I just don't know how to make that happen, which is fair. You know, that's a, that's yeah. a fair point. I wouldn't expect so, the child to, to know what to do. Yeah. And, and that's where it's like, okay, well, you know, could you, when we finish this call, could could you go to your parents and just say, you know, th- thank you for arranging this for me. I appreciate it. And then just leave it at that. Walk away. Just leave it at that. Simple, simple, simple. Can you do that simple step? Can you commit to that for next week? You know, something really simple that's going to get a positive response. And and of course they can. I'm like, you you'll be you'll be astonished if you just go to your parents when when you hang up when you get off this call and say, hey, look, I appreciate you arranging this for me. I really do. And then we'll talk about it next week. And then the next week it's like, okay, well, what, what's something that's really simple, you know, and it's silly stuff. Usually it's like you had a session the other day where it was like, you know, the aggravation was like the kid didn't want to shower. Mm. And it's like, is it really, is it really that, 
is it really asking too much? I'm like, if you, if you was to, you know, you're showering once a week now, what if we brought that up to three times a week? Could you do that? Could you, could you make that, could you make that compromise? I'm like, it doesn't have to be a long shower. It can be a one, it doesn't matter. One minute is fine. Just commit yeah. to me. <laughs> you know, are you serious about having a, you know, a more, more peaceful house and then have something that, you know, ask something in return for that. Ask something in return. That's reasonable. You don't have to give and not receive. It's like, you know, think, think about it. Like if you commit, you know, if you go to your parents and say, look, I commit to showering three days a week or I commit to showering five days a week, could you give me, could you give me this in return, you know, and be reasonable. Don't, you know, don't, <laughs> don't, you know, don't give a penny and ask for a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, if you, whatever, whatever you're giving, you can ask for the equivalent in return, but you're going to start to see that like, maybe your parents aren't as unreasonable as you thought mm-hmm. and parents, maybe you're going to see that your child is not as unreasonable as you thought. It's like, and it's just little things. It's like, okay, just little things, little things. Can you do this? I, you know, if you're committed to having a, you know, more time on the video game, right? It's like you want more time on the video game. It's like, okay, well, look, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll commit to showering five days a week, but can you give me an extra 30 minutes a day on the video game? I'm like, yeah, that that's you know that's a fair compromise for me that that's a fair you know so so it's, it's giving simple steps that a it's small but they can see positive results from those steps so you know it, it's it's like the bible says line upon line precept upon precept here a little there a little it's here a little there a little mm-hmm. line upon line precept upon precept it's like we're not going to build the wall in a day yeah and i really like how you structure into this the the concept of responsibility, because I think one of the major roles of of becoming an adult and teenager are in this exact transition is assuming more responsibility ab- about yourself and about your environment, which is something we don't tend to expect of little kids like three years old. But as they grow up and you, you do expect them yeah. to have more, more self-awareness and more... Um, out external awareness and and care and responsibility and 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 i think in the work that you just described just by asking the child to acknowledge you know as you said um sorry my kid's just banging on the window there (laughs) (laughs) um so you do you do encourage the the teenager to say hey i i have some responsibilities as well if i step up to that just by baby, baby steps I will feel better about myself. My parents will see me in a different, uh, um, in, in different light, because I yep. imagine I imagine those parents uh, when when the child after the first or second session with you goes up to them and tells them, "Hey, mom, dad, I really appreciate appreciate you for setting this up for me," and you know, I, I imagine the shock and and the nice well, shock that, that not expected that exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, look, you know, one of, one of the things that one of the philosophies that that we teach is, you know, when you transition transition fully from childhood into adulthood is when you take full responsibility for everything in your life. Mm-hmm. That is when you that's when you're an adult, and it's like that can happen at 11 years old. That can happen never in your life, right? So yeah. when when you accept full responsibility for everything that is in your life, that is when you fully transition to, into adulthood, and. I'll, I'll be talking to someone and they'll say, my parents just treat me like I'm a kid. And it's like, you're acting like a kid. 
<laughs> you know, when, when you're not taking responsibility, it's like, that's, that's something that we lay down early on, right? It's like, Hey, you know, you want to be, you want to be treated like an adult. Here's how an adult behaves. They take full responsibility, good, bad, or ugly for everything in their lives. And when the kid comes back and says, yeah, but the problem is my, my parents are treating me like a kid. My uh, teachers are treating me like a kid. It's like, yes, but you're acting like one. Don't, don't hold them. Don't, don't despise them for treating you like a child when you're acting like a child. Acknowledge that you're acting like a child and start acting like an adult. If you act like an adult and they still treat you like a child, come back and talk to me. But right now, they're, they're treating you appropriately because you're acting like a little kid. And as soon as, as, soon as they, it's hard for them to hear that. Well, I mean, the, 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 the truth is hard to hear always, yeah. Yeah, but it's the truth <laughs> that will set you free. It's the truth that will give you, you know, abundance and, and, and the things that you're looking for. It's like you can't, you know, you can't break free of, of, the, of the, the, the bonds that you're in without being told the truth. So, yeah, it is very hard. And that's why a lot of people, even in adulthood, fail to reach their full potential is because the truth is something they do not want to hear. Yeah. Okay. So um, I just wonder because, you know, um, the listeners of this show are mostly parents and yeah. um, are there any specific or, you know, red lines or kind of pitfalls that you notice parents may fall into with their teens and that they should try to avoid? I know it's a very big and general question, but maybe you, from your experience, you have some... Yeah some bigger ones that you notice. So I think you got to understand as a parent and, you know, and again, I mean, life in general is that perception is reality. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your intention is. It doesn't matter how you're how you're behaving, what, the way it's perceived is reality for the child. So, you know, if the child thinks that you're behaving in a certain way, it doesn't matter whether you are or not, if that's their perception and that's reality. And that's very important to understand. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times like a parent will be pushing a child educationally, for example, that's a common one, you know, better grades, better grades, better grades, better grades. But the child doesn't see that that's in their best interest. They see it as this is a status symbol for the parent. You know, I, I want my child yeah. to go to university. Well, that's a status symbol for the parent. I want you to, I want you to look nice. I want you to shower. Well, that's, a, that's for the parent's benefit. It's yeah. not for the child's benefit. And it's like, you know, if you're telling, if you if your teenage boy is not showering or, you know, has hygiene issues and you're saying, Hey, you know, you need to shower, you need to shower, you need to shower or whatever. It's like, you got to, you got to make sure that they're not, that they understand that that's in their interest and it's for their benefit. It's not for your benefit because not, a lot of times that's going to be perceived as by the child as for the parent's benefit. You, you just, you don't care about me. You only care about yourself. You don't care about what what's going on in my life. You only care about how that looks in your social group, around your friends, around your peers. So and I know that's not true from coming from the parents. The parents are coming from a place of love and concern, but you got the, the parent has to understand that it's not being perceived that way. So understanding that how it's being perceived and then work on the perceived reception of the message, not the message itself. So you have to always that think sense? about how, yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I think this is something that I tend to work a lot with parents that I talk with, their ability to see things from the child's perspective and all the other way around. So and and actually realizing that it's their role to to have this bigger perspective, not the child's role to see the things that they want to see. And, That's right. and yeah, it's a very important thing for parents to understand that when when they act. And I will just add that it's not only what you say; it's really 
um, a lot about how you say things to your child. Um, you have to try and see things from their point of view. And when you do that, when you can make the jump between your perception and their perception as well as you can, um, you you will be in such a better place for conducting conversation, really good for conversation with your child because they will feel seen and heard and understood. And even if you don't agree with each other, when when both parties feel understood and seen, it makes the conversation a lot better. That's right. That's right. 100%. Okay. Awesome. So just before we, we finish, I have just two questions to wrap up with. Um, the first one would be um, just if you want to share with us, where can my listeners learn more about you and your work and the stuff you do and the um, you know, the teen success um, method, yep. where should they go? So, teensuccess.com.au is a good place mm-hmm. to start. That'll, that'll get you in touch with our social media. You can get on our um, newsletter list. If you want to talk to us, then all the information's there. If you're interested in any, uh, any of our programs, all the information's there. All right. So that's teensuccess.com.au. I will put the links in the show notes, of course, uh, of this episode on apparentlyparent.com. And I, I like to um, finish my conversations with guests with um, a question that I ask everybody. And I want you to try, uh, I don't know how old your kids are. Five, three, and one. Okay, five, three, and one. So, <laughs> you know, go, go back in time, like five to six years ago, before you became a dad. And, and if you could take this younger Cody for coffee or drinks or whatever you like to to have and just have a nice conversation you know on the precipice of becoming a parent what would you like to tell that guy yeah make make the most of those young young early years because they go by really fast really really (laughs) fast you know it's uh you know don't 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 begrudge any of it it's it's all precious and you'll 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 miss it as as time goes on so Mm -hmm. make the most of it and, and enjoy it yeah. All right. Yeah. And those, those are years that are different to cherish, uh, difficult to cherish at the beginning when you don't sleep and you know everything is a you mess. You think you're going to have them forever. That's right. You <laughs> think it's going to be like that forever. And actually it's, it's just a few minutes you've got that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Looking at things as temporal is really useful also for, for teenagers because yeah. I, I can, I, I know how, um, Teenagers can sometimes feel like they w- their whole lives are really, really difficult, and and when they can acknowledge that, acknowledge that it's a couple of years, and usually it gets better, especially if you get some help along the way. Yeah, you will look back at that period of time. I don't know if you will miss it, but you will look back at it, and you know you might smile. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Cody, for this conversation. And as I've said, links to your website and everything will be on the show notes. So if you guys want to learn more about how to how to get your teenager kids more motivated, more thinking about their what they want to do and, you know, jo- don't just, quote unquote, spend their lives doing um, nothing. I, I think uh, there's a lot uh, that you can learn um, from from your work. Uh, I've, I've heard other things that you were presenting. There's a lot of information that you're giving on the website. So I think there's an, a nice rabbit hole to dive into. <laughs> uh, so I hope people will go go uh, visit that. 
Thank you, Aaron. All right, all right, all right. That was my conversation with Cody Butler. I really hope you enjoyed that. I just want to stress uh, one point that we talked about later in the episode that I think is re- really, really important. And that's how you as a parent can try to move your point of view into that of your child. So all the time we are looking at our children and uh, and that's true for everybody, not only for us and our children. We always look outside to the world and we see things from our own perspective. But as much as we can try to shift our perspective into other people's perspective and try to see how the world seems from their viewpoint, we can better empathize with how they see lives and what life is for them. We don't have to agree with how they feel, but we can empathize with that. And that's really helpful and I will say necessary if you want to have a good relationship with your child. And it doesn't matter if your child is a teenager, like in the conversation I had with Cody, or, you know, maybe have a toddler. It's the same thing. And it's actually something we tend to do more with really little children because they don't really know how to articulate their own viewpoint, like when they're little little toddlers. So we kind of look at things from their viewpoint and try to explain it to, to them when we talk. So you, when you say to a, a baby or a little toddler, oh, you're angry right now because you I, I took something that you wanted to play with because I, I didn't want you to break it, for example. Or you're hungry and we don't have anything that you like to eat. We only have broccoli. <laughs> I don't know if it's, it's a real conversation. But in any case... When we can do that also with our um, older kids and with our spouses and everything, our, everyone around us, we don't, again, we don't have to agree with them and we don't have to give up on our own needs and perspective. But w- when we can jump between those perspectives and see things from their point of view, we will have a much better stance uh, in, with our children and we can help them understand themselves and understand us and we can approach them better so that's one thing that i wanted to add to the mix and with that let's finish this episode today uh, the show notes for this episode are again as usual are on apparentlyparent.com forward slash podcast you will find the link to Cody's website you will have a transcript of this conversation if you would like to read it and As always, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you haven't subscribed to this show, please do so on whichever platform you like to listen to your podcasts on. And please, I will really appreciate it if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts for us. You know, just go there, share how many stars you want and a couple of words. I want to hear the good. I want to hear the bad. This helps me make this show better. And it also helps me get in front of more people who need to hear this message. So I would really appreciate if you will do that. And yeah, I will see you again next week with a fresh episode of the Apparently Parent Podcast. Have a wonderful week in between. Good day.